Let me tell you why you're here. What can I do for you? Well, I'm looking for a white rabbit. So, um, white rabbit. This movement is growing. White rabbit. We have an army of digital soldiers. Digital soldiers. This was irregular warfare at its finest. Digital soldiers. That story will, will continue to be told here. Welcome, fellow truthers, to another episode of White Rabbit. We have what we call citizen journalists, digital soldiers. Fight rabbit. Yeah, you can go down the rabbit hole, though. Okay. You can go down the rabbit hole and be incoherent. Mm-hmm. Fight rabbit. Welcome back, fellow truthers, to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones. Uh, before I get into my guest today, I just have to give a shout out to my sponsors. The first sponsor is Sirius CBD. This is the best CD- CBD product on the flat plane. This guy has his CBD on lock. He does forensic um, testing with his stuff, like harder than they did forensic testing in Arizona on the audits. So this is crazy, crazy good stuff. If you have uh, any kind of pain, back pain, uh, you have issues with seizures. If you're like me and you tried to watch every single video on Pornhub and then you got like carpal tunnel in your wrist, this stuff is good. He's got topicals. He's got gummies, uh, oils. Even Bubba Kush flour. You can smoke this. If you don't want to get high, you can still smoke this. He's got pre-rolls and just feel good about yourself. So go to Sirius-CBD.com, enter promo code RABBIT for 15% off of your order. Once again, that is S-I-R-I-U-S-CBD.com. Also, another sponsor of the show today is Warehouse.Salon. Ladies, stop spending money at Amazon. Stop going to Ulta and paying way too much and giving these cucks your money. Give them to Patriots. Give them to Truthers. Give them to give your money to people that actually care about you. They have everything that all these other places do and more, and you probably get it for a little bit cheaper. So check out my friends at warehouse.salon and enter the promo code rabbit for 10% off. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen and fellow Truthers, Today we have a returning guest. She is my guest host for the evening. I am always, always happy when she comes on because she's just an amazing person and we become friends uh, after the first time she's been on my show. And she's just one of the most interesting people that I met and I totally connect with her because she's also an empath. So you know her, you love her. Ladies and gentlemen, Deplorable Janet from the Deplorable Nation podcast. Welcome. Hello, how are you doing? I am doing amazing. It's been an incredible week so far. A lot of good things are happening in the pipeline, and uh, I've been tuning out a lot of the politics this week, so I've been a happier person. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, right? So Amazing what kind of things happen when you tune out some stuff, right? Yeah, well, it's kind of hard because a lot of uh, my listeners expect me to be on top of that more than they are because they come to me for the news, but... Um, Sometimes I just need to take a break from that and go down some rabbit holes and uh, try to get back to where I, why I started this show in the first place. So with that being said, we are going to dive down a rabbit hole tonight and uh, we might get off track and that is what the fun of this show is. So introducing for the very first time on the podcast, Matt from the Great Deception Podcast. He is out there pushing truth and he is not afraid to uh, get involved in any kind of a conversation that is, um, I would say a deception type of thing is why you would call your podcast the great deception. He likes to question everything just as we do here on white rabbit. So Matt, I am very excited to have you on brother. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. 
Yes. Um, so since this is your first time on the uh, podcast, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your podcast, how you got started and kind of where, where you're going with it? Yeah, uh, I'm relatively new. I started my show back in September. Um, I had made my rounds on a couple uh, other podcasts beforehand. Uh, I, I've been, you know, into alternate history for a long time, you know, off and on. Love it. Uh, I did a, a history minor in college, but I was more on interested in like the fringe stuff. Um, and I love just stirring it up. I loved being the devil's advocate in, in with the academics. So it didn't go well academically, but I had fun doing it. So, uh, yeah. but from there, you know, uh, you start seeing things and uh, gradually over time, you start putting pieces together and uh, it, it got to a point, you know, in 2020 when everybody got locked down that, you know, I just dove deep into podcasts. I was listening to anything and everything I could and then going and researching, you know, putting in 20 hours our days, most days, just, you know, in addition to work in my nine to five, you know, I'd, I'd just be burning the oil, you know, trying to get as much information as possible. And, you know, like a lot of people, I, I, you know, tried to wake everybody else up and realized, man, that's a, that's an energy stealer. So I, uh, you know, I started digging more into podcasts and started talking with some podcasters and eventually got basically coerced into starting my own show. So, uh, well, you know, I'm, 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 shout I'm out to relatively Ryan. new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan, my buddy from uh, dangerous world podcast, he, uh, basically just, you know, was relentless on me. Like you got to do a show, you got to do a show. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have any, you know, a lot of people are afraid of putting their voice out there. I think I was just too lazy to put everything together, you know, cause doing a one man show is a lot of work. Yes, it is. You know, I being, tried to start out as know, a one man show. own producer and, and coming up with material and getting guests and everything. So, uh, you know, I was real hesitant to do it cause I, you know, I have, I have a young son that I love spending time with and, uh, and, and so it was like, am I going to have, and then you end up making time and now, you know, I can't imagine not doing it because of all the cool people I, you know, I get to talk to like you guys here tonight and, uh, and, and so many others that are doing this and, uh, you get to, to meet some other people, you know, through the podcast, you know, some of the listeners and, uh, the best thing I've gotten so far out of it. And the reason why I started my podcast was just to get people to start thinking again. You know, we, we lost the, we, we started focusing on headlines and getting the little clips and, and getting what they wanted you to know, instead of going and reading a whole book, going and researching a topic. And, uh, and so that's what I'm trying. And I'm trying to make it interesting because, you know, a lot of people think, oh, history is so boring. Politics is so boring. So you got to give it a little life, you know, and, and, and have some fun with it too. But at the same time, you got to bring truth. You can't just sit out there and BS because eventually you're going to get called out on it, you know? So I'll be the first to admit that I, I don't know a whole lot. I I've read a lot of stuff and I've, I've come to some conclusions, but I don't know much. Um, but well, that's the best part. We you know, we can learn something new every day and I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm hoping. I, I hope some of my listeners come back and say, you know, you got this, this, and this wrong. I'm like, okay, well then we'll make note of that. Right. Uh, I, I try to tell everybody to do your own research and, and a lot of other podcasts that are in my circle will say the same thing is do your own, don't take my word for it. Go do your own research, you know, and 
I I love the name of your podcast, The Great Deception, because we've all been deceived at one point or another. And it it takes a very different type of person to admit that they've been deceived. Uh, You can deceive somebody a hundred times before you can get them to admit that they've been deceived once. And, um, you know, and a lot of people feel that we were deceived with Q, but I feel like the beautiful thing that came out of Q is a lot of people started paying attention to what was really going on. And we were able to make it fun with our memes. We were adding humor in with you know, these truth bombs and it was making people go research stuff for themselves. And I feel like the best thing that came out of Q was the fact that it brought all these people together and whether it was a psyop or, or not, it, it, it formulated this community where people are awake and they're trying to awaken other people. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. And I'm I'm happy that that happened. So I just want to say that because a lot of people give me shit for being still being a Q supporter and you can think about me what you want. I mean, I've been getting criticized since 2013 when I started telling people the world was flat. So, yeah, but think about how many people now, you know, like us that either either were hard into it or just dabbled in it a little bit that now are not watching you know, mainstream propaganda anymore. Mm-hmm. Don't watch the mainstream news anymore. You know, have have taken a step back from the mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 kind of hit them in their pocket, which is the only way we have a real ability to affect things is is to hit them in in in, in their pockets. Yes, because that's you know mm-hmm. what they're trying to do to us. So if we can pull out of their system and not participate and, and, and spend $20 for a movie ticket or, you know, watch CNN or Fox or uh, MSNBC and, and they, their numbers tank and their advertisers don't want to be there anymore. Well, that's how we, we started doing it. And I think that was a huge thing that Q did. It exposed a lot of the bullshit that's out there. You know, right. it's just... The, the stuff that we were, you know, we were always told, trust the media, you know, trust your teachers, trust their authority. And now we're like, no, the whole point of this is to question them, hold them accountable. And we didn't for so long. And it, it put us into a situation that we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah. Don't I, forget, trust the science. Well, and Q also <laughs> had trust the anything. Don't trust anyone, right? right? And any, Q also had trust anything. the plan. And you know, I don't trust the plan. Mm-hmm. I like to trust that there is a plan. I can't trust the plan if I don't know what the plan is. But if I know what the plan is, and the enemy knows what the plan is, and there is no point for the plan, so I get that. But mm-hmm. anybody that tells you to trust something, don't trust it. Question it. Agreed. And I think it is so beneficial because. Everybody turned off the TV and turned away from the news. And look at how many podcasters there are now. It has grown exponentially. And I think that's fantastic because there's so many more people out there to put their information out and to put out positivity and basically do away with all of the stuff that we were being, you know, propagated through the mainstream media. So I think it's fantastic. That's an extra added bonus. Yes. And uh, to piggyback off of trusting and not trusting, um, the reason, Matt, that I brought you on is because I was talking to Janet and I was like, man, I really want to do an episode about mud floods and like uh, the world fairs and that kind of thing. And she was like, I know the perfect guy. So... (laughs) 
I'm kind of a newbie in this. I did watch like that five hour documentary. There's a part two I haven't gotten to yet. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, but, uh, it really raised some questions. And then I dabbled in a couple other like 20 minute videos here and there. I, I do have a lot of questions, but a lot of things make a lot more sense because I've been seeing things throughout my life that just don't make sense. And, and their explanation to us doesn't make sense. Like I remember going to San Francisco for my coast camp field trip and staying there for a week and all the things that we went and saw. And, you know, I'm seeing like windows that are like halfway under the sidewalk and halfway above the sidewalk. And I'm like, well, why is that? That doesn't make any sense. And then you like, it, it looks like there's steps that go down into just a brick wall. And you're like, why, why is that there? So that's just scratching the surface. And, um, so I was just curious, like what, um, what made you look into this or, or what was the first thing that you saw? And, um, maybe you can help me understand what all this is. Yeah, I, I I'm still learning day by day. This is one of those things that's so deep that it, it goes all over too. So what got me into it was um, I was reading uh, Howdy McCoskey's book, uh, Exposing the Expositions on the Chicago Fair in 1893. And first of all, I had never heard of these things, the World's Fairs. And anybody that's not familiar with them, what they are are these enormous expositions, right? It's, it's, a, it's a fair. It would have uh, goods from different countries would come and represent. They would have... Uh, you know, the latest technology, the latest in medicine and science. And, and it was just to, to, it was like the Olympics of everyday life. You know, the countries presented their best art um, and, and really put their best foot forward. And the cities get, that got to host it really took pride in it. And uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing is, though, you, you look at the architecture and uh, and you look at Chicago, for example, and it looks like ancient Rome. And uh, and you're like, wow, this is interesting. Everything's beautiful and white. And there's these ornate buildings and statues. And it looks like an old Roman or Greek city. And this is Chicago in the late 1800s. So we're talking, you know, a little over a century ago. We're not talking 500 years ago. Right. They have these and, amazing uh, buildings and sculptures and stuff, yet they're walking on dirt roads with horses and carriage. Well, that's that's when you start getting and then you start hearing the story of it or the narrative that they give. So you look at Chicago and and this is the one I like to start with because it's the most ridiculous example of them all. <clears throat> so Chicago, everybody knows it's, you know, goes through the four seasons, very harsh winter very you know brutal summer and then nice fall and usually nice spring but late spring but so you look at this city and where they decided to put it was on jackson park which is a giant swampland so they're going to put 700 acres worth of fair on swampland all right okay that seems like an engineering feat that would be tough today we're talking 1890. So, so the, they had the World Fair. Man. Just to rewind, they had the World Fair in Chicago back in 1890. Is that 1893? Okay. Yep, 1893 is Chicago, and and they started planning supposedly in 1891. 
Okay. Now, what they did is they built nearly 200 buildings in less than two years on swamplands. And mind you, when you start looking at these buildings, 14 of them are called the, the Grand Buildings, uh, and they were part of the Grand Basin, which was the main attraction. There were 14 buildings that basically formed almost like a horseshoe around a water basin. And in the middle was this statue, and it was the statue Columbia, because this was the Columbian Exposition. It was supposed to be in uh, 1892 to be the 400 year anniversary of Columbus is, is the narrative. And they were going to celebrate it in Chicago. And so supposedly they build all of these buildings in less than two years on swampland. They did all the landscaping. Now I, I, I tell all your listeners and everyone, please just go duck, duck, go, you know, Chicago, 1893, and look at the images, because these pictures are breathtaking. I mean, you look at this, and it's immaculate. And I, you know, I've listened to people, and I, I have some friends who are in construction and engineering, and I'm like, what do you think about this? I'm like, they said they built this in two years, in 1893. And when and was like, the first power tool made? Because apparently they no didn't even tools, they didn't have any right? power tools. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no backups. Transporting all materials by horse and buggy or by railroad. There, where are all the materials coming from? Right, where are all is everything being stored? Now in Chicago, the fair went from uh, May until the end of October, and. They supposedly drew 27.3 million people wow. to this thing. And, and think, I mean, just so they were bigger, now, they were bigger massive, than the Olympics then. Yeah, it's just it doesn't make any sense how you would get this many. And then you look at the fair and if you watch some of the videos of the people that are there, you watch them and they're walking around like they're almost in a haze. You know, like, and, and there was a quote I found in one of, uh, in, in some of the research I was doing. And, and the guy said, yeah, it was almost like the uh, fairgoers were under a spell from the beginning till the end of the fair. And, um, you know, I've heard some people call them inheritors where these people were brought over from Europe and just put here and eventually told, okay, you're going to go, we're going to go move you on to somewhere else in America. Um some of them were just elite that came to visit. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is, okay, you have these am amazing buildings. Now, what they say, how they built them so quickly and so uh, efficiently was that they were built out of wood and a material called staff. It's, you know, like a combination of, of horse hair and it's like a stucco, um, like a plaster material. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at the buildings, I'll be damned that all these buildings are made out of, you know, wood and stucco now. And they claim they were all temporary. Now, if you think about it, though, they still make some homes today out of stucco and they're not mm -hmm. temporary. So to, to, to claim that these buildings, even the ones that were made, the, the likely story is, is that these buildings were here previously, some of them. And when you were talking about the mud flood before, one of the, the theories that um, Michelle Gibson puts out there is that basically the mud flood happened sometime in the 1700s. And we can uh, I can explain that a little bit more here in a second. But there's this giant flood 
of mud. We're talking, you know, waves of 30, 40 feet in some spots where not waves like literal waves, but the mud would rise up 30 and 40 feet and just basically swallow or engulf towns. Um, and, and so she claims that that happened in the 1700s and what they were doing in the 1800s were digging these buildings out. And what you'll, what you'll hear a lot when they talk about buildings in the 1800s is they'll say they were founded. Well, if you break down the word founded, it's found dead. Right. They didn't build it. Mm-hmm. They found the building. So that's why we get we get the idea that, you know, when you start piecing together the mud flood, that they they didn't build these buildings. They dug them out or they found them empty. You know, there was some cataclysm that wiped out massive amount of population and these buildings were left behind. And it's not just these World Fair buildings, but that's a good good place to start from. Yeah, no, there's a lot of buildings kind of that are a good still example standing that tie today. everything yeah. in. And, and that's why I say when you start looking into this, it's like a spider web because yeah. you go so many different directions with this. It ties into so many different things that just don't really add up. Well, I have a question I'm curious about. So there was supposedly, what do you say, 27 million people showed up supposedly at the World's Fair? Um, and back in the day, it's not like there was internet service or anything like that. You had a local paper, maybe, that was done on a printing press. And so how did word get out to all these people? And how the hell did that many people get there? That's a good question. This, this was heavily advertised worldwide. This was one of those things that it was, you know, and that's why you start looking into ulterior agendas to it. Because one of the things Mm -hmm. I'll get to is other than Chicago, most of these fairs ended up losing money and they Mm -hmm. kept doing them over and over again. And you think about it and these investors aren't in things to lose money. So -hmm. if they repeatedly are losing money, there has to be some other reason for these fairs. So what they did is they heavily advertised these and they, especially in Europe, Europe was big. They were trying to bring Europeans over here in big numbers. Um, Lots of times Irish, uh, German, French, lots of people they were trying to bring over here to come check out our fairs. And basically I feel like they were bringing them over here and keeping them here Mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to repopulate some of this stuff. But yeah, that's, I mean, these were, these were the elite basically funded these local and federal government gave little bit of money, but it was, this was something that was really privately funded for the most part. And, uh, and so you look at it and it's like, yeah, how did they get all these people here? We're mm-hmm. talking now, if you look at Chicago though, in 1893, they had, the largest basically railroad in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. it had 27 terminals, I think. And like the next biggest one, I think I don't quote me on this part, but the next biggest one I want to say was like 12 at the time, a 12 mm-hmm. terminal. Uh, so they but had you, them. You still got to get all those people across the ocean on a ship and then get them to somewhere where there's a train Yep. to take them all the way to Chicago. Well, or yeah, if, if there's even a train that connected from the coast to Chicago at the time. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I'm with you. It just doesn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. you add in, okay, then where's all the lodging for the, mm-hmm. these people when they do get there? Now, let alone during the construction process, where were all these workers coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, they claim to have about 50,000 workers. And then where were all these workers staying? Who was feeding all these workers? You don't see any pictures of construction or restrooms, you know, anything like that. There's, there's really, and one of the things that's very interesting is people paid to watch the construction of this fair, supposedly. They would have crowds to watch it, but no one took any pictures. Yeah, which is so... here's the finished product, but there's really no recording of them ever even doing it in the first place. And one of the other interesting things about this fair is, is they use the term whitewash is, which is what they did to all the buildings. They paint spray painted all of the buildings white, especially in this grant basin area to be uniform, you know, and to stand out. Well, whitewash, as we know, has multiple meanings, Mm -hmm. you know, it's to, it's to, you know, rewrite, to refresh, you know, erase. And Um, how did they, how did they spray paint buildings back in the day? There, they had the technology at the time. Uh, There was a guy, and I can't remember his name, who's credited with coming up with this technology that they used and they used it uh, in previous fairs, supposedly. It was, was Uh, it? It, was it like aerosol or was it aerosol? I don't know exactly what it was. Well, my question, and that is a good point, Janet, is how how did they come up with the spray paint? But um, Matt, my question is, is how did they illuminate these places? That's that's a good question. Because that's a better question. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's another thing you have to look at is, you know, in addition to all the construction, supposedly they would have run, run all the wiring right underground you know uh, it's just on swamp it doesn't make any sense now if you look at these fairs from the potential of these buildings having a free energy possibility to them based on their architecture and things like that you have more of a of an idea now at chicago they there was a this is where the battle really begins between uh uh, Tesla, right? You have you have Tesla on one side, and you had uh, the Westinghouse on the other side. And, for and the people watching, for the people watching and listening to this, he's talking about Nikola Tesla, not Elon Musk's Tesla cars, because yeah, so no, many no, of the no, younger no, people yeah, don't Tesla, even know. And, and it was basically, you know, AC versus DC current, mm-hmm. and and they were trying to figure out which worked better, and and. You know, Tesla all ended up winning most of the contracts um, for the fairs when the two would compete. But, you know, you look at a fair like Buffalo, Buffalo had this massive electrical tower. I mean, we're talking this thing was was tremendous. And, you know, the lights in, in that one, I mean, even Chicago, you look at the time, I think they said it was like 10 times the lights that are in New York City were used just for the fair alone. I mean, so we're talking massive amounts of lights. Now they claim it was there, there was a, you know, uh, it was all powered. There was all wiring for it all. You'll be damned if you find the, you know, any sort of blueprints, any sort of evidence of it, you know, they'll show you some manufacturers buildings where they show a lot of, you know, pumps and engines and things, but 
I've yet to see an electrical room, so to speak. Um, so it's almost like these buildings, you know, were the last remnants that were able to use free energy. Now there's no one that has recorded that yet, but that's one of the lines of thinking you have to go along to kind of think outside the box here, because a lot of this doesn't make sense. Right. Um, and, and, um, Matt, actually, before you go any deeper, can you just, uh, give us like the cliff notes of free energy? Because I'm not, I haven't, I, I've dove down those rabbit holes. Obviously I'm, I'm well aware of the free energy and, and obviously I think that we were getting our energy from a, a different source, um, through previous generations, uh, before this reset that we've been through. And, um, I don't think that all of, I've, I've brought in a lot of my viewers from talking about Q and stuff. And I've just recently started diving down the rabbit holes that I love digging down. So I'm not sure if they know. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them do, but some of them probably don't even, aren't even aware of what free energy is. Yeah. And, and, and I am not an electrical engineer by any means. I have, I have, uh, you know, minimal knowledge in this, but you know, the, the essence of it is, is there's an ethereal energy, right? A natural energy in the ether of, of the planet. And what happens is, is in the old world, which is, you know, some people say, it, you know, put it in this Tartaria bucket. I call it the old world though, where they were, they had free energy. And under this idea, they, not, not only were they harnessing it in the buildings, but they were using the landscape. They were using uh, cymatics, which is uh, patterns that are formed by different frequencies or patterns that will resonate out certain frequencies. So, um, and, and the perfect example is like a cathedral, right? You look at a lot of the cathedrals and they, they always have a steeple. Well, that's where the free energy is being brought in. And then it is the, the architecture within the building. If you look at a lot of uh, cathedrals, for example, you see a lot of arches. Well, an arch, you know, much like if you think about a magnet, is a very good conductor. So the arches in the buildings is almost acts like a conductor and they're passing that energy through the building. Right. Now, and there's now, also these areas. Some of the buildings. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say there's an area at the top of these steeples also where there's an empty space where there quite possibly was probably something there that was harnessing this energy and um, and pushing it through these buildings. And not only just the buildings, but like you said, the terrain around it and everything and all these uh, buildings were able to communicate with each other in a way that our Wi-Fi and our internet is able to communicate with itself now. And a lot of people believe that these buildings that were the um, power source to say, you could actually go into these buildings and it had healing powers for your body as well. Mm -hmm. So people, yeah, please go, please go look into you, that. Yeah. Based on the architecture of the building, also based on the windows, right? Where they had that, you know, most churches have these uh big round areas uh you know stained glass windows usually at one end or the other of the church now prior to the churches taking over these buildings and claiming them that wouldn't have had glass in it and if you look at most of those they're a cymatic pattern which is a you know if you think of sacred geometry 
flower of life type things. These are all, you know, terms that a lot of people aren't familiar with, but it's, it's geometric shapes and these different shapes based on cymatics resonate different frequencies. So if you think about what's in churches, well, usually there was a bell and usually there were organs. And when these instruments would play or resonate through the town, what it said is whatever frequency that building was distributing would heal accordingly or would act accordingly. And, and like you said, the buildings would interact almost with the different frequencies, with the, the, the dispersion of the, the conduction of the energy back and forth. And they acted together in harmony um, with the, the land as well. The, the big use of water, and we know water is a, con- a very good conductor. And, and so you can, you know, I could take you down rabbit holes and things like star forts, which are these, these old supposedly military installations, but they're also called batteries is one of the things they're known as, which is interesting. What's a battery? It generates energy, you know, uh, and you look at them and they mainly have these same cymatic patterns to them. So anybody that's interested, I recommend just go on a little, you know, search of uh, star forts and check those out. But back to what we were saying is, yeah, the, the, the whole idea of this, it's between the free energy, which, you know, they would then, the buildings would be essentially used to harness energy is what the hypothesis is, you want to say, or the theory is. Right. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so they were already, these buildings were already set up for, that's why I asked you about how did they illuminate these places. So if we're going on the theory that these places actually already existed, these world fairs, maybe like you're saying that the main attraction buildings could have already been there. And then they just maybe built like some of the smaller ones around it to go along with what's going on. That's how they were harnessing this energy because I've seen um, some, some pretty, convincing documentaries that are showing just how illuminated these places were. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Disneyland when they do the, their light parade. Mm-mm, not me. Oh, well, I, when I was a kid, my parents <laughs> took me to Disneyland and they had a light parade and it was basically just a parade. And it was like Christmas lights all over these floats. And everybody was like, Oh, this is amazing. And, and it was amazing to me at the time. And then I look at these world fairs and I'm like, no, that, that is amazing. It, it, it doesn't even hold a candle to what Disneyland was doing. Yeah, this is well. And the interesting thing is Walt Disney's father supposedly worked at the Chicago world's fair. Here we go. It's funny. It's <laughs> funny how it all now you wanted to go even crazier than Walt Disney was uh, helped work on the 1964. I believe it was New York fair. And that's where he released his It's a Small World for the first time. So they all, it, it, all the stories start tying in together when you really dig deep into these world's fairs. But the interesting thing about Chicago is, is that, yeah, they, 
they probably did build some buildings, right? Like you, like we were talking about, there were these main major old buildings and then they built around them or, you know, where there was damage, maybe they patched it at best. Right. They, you, you know, when you, and, and look at the size of some of these, but there was one building in Chicago, the main uh, building, it could hold 300,000 people. I mean, so we're not talking about a, a, these little structures. This is a massive structure. It was the biggest but structure it, in the world at the time. Right. But got- yet they built that in two years. With horse and buggy. With horse and but buggy. Then the, but how, how long did it just take cannot- them to build the Raiders' new uh, stadium, by the way? <laughs> I think it was like four years with our technology right? that we have now. And I was just going to say, like, some of the roads that they've done here it has literally taken like 10 years <laughs> to, to finish a stretch of road. But you want us to believe that you have these amazing structures built in a two-year time period with a hand crank drill. For a six-month fair, Janet. Exactly. Okay, and, and, and here's the best part. The fair ends, you know, and Chicago's an interesting one because – at the end of it, there's almost like a sacrificial ritual. Oh. The mayor is assassinated on, I believe it's October 30th or 31st, right around there, uh, a day or two before the fair is supposed to officially end. And he's assassinated. He's shot by you know a local guy who thought he was going to work for him and never got a job and was supposedly jealous and shot him and killed him. This and was so at, ended the fair. This abruptly. was at the Chicago one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so they end the fair abruptly. Well, as soon as the fair ends, they start having these fires, these massive fires that just break out that start burning down all of these buildings. And it it was over the course of four fires over like a two year period, everything burns. And then to end it all, they rig the statue of Columbia and light her on fire almost as like a, a ceremonial goodbye. And that's the last piece of it. Uh, Fast to forward around. to today and go to Burning Man. Yeah. And, and but the, the, the funny thing is what they do is at all, all of these fairs, they keep one or two of the buildings, but they destroy everything else. And they say that all the other buildings were temporary. And these, this one building was built, uh, as a permanent structure. Now, the interesting thing about these fires that destroy these buildings is when you look at some of the fire pictures, the aftermath, it looks like a war zone. It doesn't look like fires. It looks like explosions. I mean, it looks like, you know, after the towers crumbled in 9-11, you know, you have brick structures that look just like the towers did when they were, you know, the little bits that were still standing at the end. And, it's just, it looks like it was firebombed, you know, carpet bombed. Boy, um, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really <laughs> got out of hand fast. Now, I have a question, Matt. Was it, was it Chicago that it was supposedly the fire was started by the cow? That was the Chicago fire of 1871. That was the great Chicago right. fire. Yeah. Gotcha. Where, uh, you know, Betsy, the cow knocked over a candle with her tail and set off a fire that burns, you know, 1200 acres in Chicago. So, so keep that now, in mind. Wait, now wait, you want to hear the crazy thing about that. 
is they push that story as that. Now, on that same exact day, now, if you know Lake Michigan, right, it's like a giant mm-hmm. horseshoe and you have, uh, uh, what is it? It's Michigan, then Illinois and Wisconsin, or Wisconsin, uh, Illinois, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And that same day, right along that horseshoe of Lake Michigan, there was a fire that burned over a million acres in Pestico, Wisconsin. There was a fire that burned over a million acres in uh, Michigan. In addition, on the same day that the Great Chicago Fire happened, and then there were also some fires, all other big fires reported in that area on okay, the so same here's, day. So here's the question, and the reason why I brought that up, um, talking about how it was supposed to have electricity um, at these world fairs that lit up everything. Okay, so thinking back about that fire, the great Chicago fire. And it was what, 20 years later that they had this world's fair. And at the time of the Chicago fire, people used candles or light or in their they, homes or kerosene lanterns. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just curious of how we went from, we can only use candlelight to see to these monstrous buildings that have more electricity than what we have the capability to provide today. Well, and and it's ironic because right along the timeline of that fire is as electricity starts to be developed for uh, commercial use, mm-hmm. you know, you start getting the first light bulb right around then, mm-hmm. you know, and it lasts a couple hours. Then you start getting the next light bulb that can last, you know, a couple thousand hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it's probably in the 1880s that you first start seeing it in, uh, you know, like towns, a couple towns will have street lights, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't really see it in homes, I don't think, until the early 1900s, I would mm-hmm. imagine, you know, for the most that's part. Why, that's why I'm curious of how, how they had so much energy to light up these fairs when yeah. it wasn't widely available at all. Well. A funny one is, is if you look at, there was a giant, a giant fair in Buffalo in 1901. And they say that it was powered by Niagara Falls, which is 20 miles away. Hmm. I I mean, how do you even respond to something like that? You know, you just, and each and every fair, and that's the crazy part. Actually, I have an episode that uh, um, comes out on uh, Friday uh, on these so oh, awesome. it's uh, on the U.S. World Fairs. Uh, so it'll be the video will be on Spotify if you want to check it out um, on my feed. And yeah, I go through uh, probably about nine, I think nine of the U.S. World Fairs. And uh, just, you know, you look at the buildings and that's the crazy part. OK, so it's not just Chicago. It's Buffalo, New York. It's New York City. It's Philadelphia, it's Omaha, Nebraska, Nashville, Tennessee, San Francisco. You know, you start looking at all the uh, New Orleans was another one. And you start looking and and the architecture is very similar. You know, these old buildings all use the same style. And we're talking, you know, we're told this is the time of savages. Right. I mean, we're just coming Mm -hmm. out of that era. There was no... They weren't building this, this stuff. And, 
The other thing is you look at some of these buildings and they say they're two years old, but they have weathering on them that makes it look like, you know, who knows mm -hmm. how long, you know, I can't, I can't pinpoint it, but so it's certainly more think, than what you would get in two years. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think that the purpose was for destroying these places? Do you think that these world fairs was just an excuse to say, Hey, we just built this real quick so you guys can come and enjoy it. And now we're going to tear it down. Um, was there an agenda to hide something that these buildings, these structures, uh, these basically these cities, um, you get right down to it. They were basically little cities. Yeah. Cause they're massive. These were, these were, these were capitals of old world cities, right. Mm -hmm. Or empires right. right? is how, is how, is what I'm, you know, the conclusion that I'm putting out there right now, I don't have, you know, huge amounts of evidence to it, but, what I'm pointing to is, is that these were capital cities of old world, you know, tribes, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And cause you look at them and, and it, it just, it makes sense. You're right. It's an entire city and, and they're all over the United States. I mean, you can look in, in Utah, you can look in California, they're all over. And, uh, and it, it seems like these were, older buildings that were here and then something happened. Now, what's the reason for it? The fairs. I think it has multiple purposes. One, it was the last great reset. Okay. If we're going to use that term, it was where they introduced the industrial age. We were going mm -hmm. from whatever age they had before with all this free energy technology into the industrial era where we were going to rely on what, was provided by the bankers essentially mm -hmm. you know the big families we were going we were going to go to electric we were going to go even though we we had free energy supposedly previously mm -hmm. so what they were doing was in essence to the fairgoers they were showing them what was outside right and then you would go inside and see what is going to be what is coming and then what they would do is destroy these fairs almost in a ritualistic manner and then build over them. Now, some of these places, they would destroy these massive buildings and then build a quote unquote permanent version of it right on top, which <laughs> makes you wonder if they even destroyed it. Right. I mean, did they even take the thing down or did they just say, you know, like, cause there's a, uh, the famous one is in Nashville. I didn't know Nashville, Tennessee had a, exact replica of the Parthenon, you know, and, and supposedly it was built temporarily initially, but the locals, you know, fought so hard for it to stay that they were eventually convinced to keep it. And then they refurbished it with real stone after the fact. Supposedly. Yeah. Is the supposedly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. So you, you, you built this out of wood and stucco and then decided to dismantle it. Now, another interesting thing, like along those lines is they love to dismantle buildings and set them up in other places. They did, they do this with massive, massive buildings, supposedly, which doesn't make any sense, you know? So there's all these things. And, and so getting back to the whole purpose of the fairs is they're going to show you the old world. And, and the abilities of the old world and right. you we were the capable then they're going to destroy it and they're going to put up their new what we you know today some of it's called brutal architecture that old square the box look and the, and in Disgusting. addition to destroying the physical buildings 
it's the last of that grid, you know, that earth natural grid of all these buildings that were tied in across the globe that made this free energy almost circuit. You know, if you look at a city today from overhead, it looks like the circuit board in a computer. Right. You know, and, and I'm glad you, think you brought about that the up. word uh, electricity, it's electric city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I really feel like if there was a free energy system back in the day that these cities were hubs, you know, that were, were passing the energy around, you know, they worked interconnected throughout the world, you know, including the pyramids and things like that. You know, it's possible that all these things were part of a giant network to connect because you find pyramids all over America. Uh, you know, not as many in the United States, they're more in the mound form, but you find them throughout North America, South America, uh, Latin America, um, Canada, even. So, you know, this, this ancient architecture is here and, and it's, in, it's interesting because I'm starting to dig into old articles and I'm finding news articles from like the 1850s where they're talking about old, all of this old architecture that was here already, this beautiful stuff of antiquity. And so, you know, I think once we start digging a little bit deeper, we're going to start unlocking a little bit of the mystery of this, that, you know, the timeline and the narrative that we've been told, you know, the thing that always didn't sit well with me is why is this the new world? So Mm -hmm. across time, there was stuff going on all over the world, except for here where it was just savages running amok until 1492, when this white guy shows up and starts killing people and, and taking slaves and stuff. It's just, it's a, it's a oh, well, bullshit that, that, story. That is such a bullshit mm-hmm. story. And I've already debunked it on a previous episode. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. Just a bullshit story. Columbus was not the first person to uh, find the Americas. Whether, we, we already had I, people read, here. There was already black people here. Wasn't even a real person uh, that he's, He's just a, he's a story, you know? I mean, so that's very possible. That's very possible. That whole narrative. How is it possible that nothing happened on this continent for thousands of years? And and it being one of the largest continents too. Mm -hmm. And, and the most bountiful, right? You think about it. And one of the things I'm getting, I've been reading some, uh, some books lately on what's called America is the true old world. They're called, and they talk about, that you know they think ancient civilizations started here and then moved to India and then went to Egypt you know because it was they say you know the mississippi is the same as the nile um and they start lining things up in america and they say america is basically you know the promised land and uh and i was like wow i never even heard of any of this before but when you start really digging into what the natives so to speak built that's, you know, a lot of it's covered up, right? A lot of it's grown over, you know, why, why in South America is it all sitting in the middle of a jungle? And, mm-hmm. and until recently, we never had the technology to see it. Well, now we can start seeing this and seeing what is hidden underneath that they haven't been able to destroy yet. And it's, it's fascinating you so- know, because there is a lot of old architecture now, otherwise, if, if I'm just an idiot who's just totally wrong here, these were the greatest construction people from about 1850 until about 1915, 1920. These guys were the greatest thing ever. They could do work magic. And then all of a sudden we lost that technology. 
just like we lost the technology to go to the moon. Anyways, um, so now that now that we've dug ourselves this far down this rabbit hole, and you were you brought up the point of what were some of the uh, reasons for these fairs, and another uh, theory that comes out uh, that you you keep seeing when you dive down this rabbit hole is uh, to populate these areas. And we see a little bit of evidence of that because we have um, at these world fairs, there was uh, incubators and all these babies. And it's very curious to know where all these babies come from. Cause I'm not talking like 15, 20 babies. There was, it was a massive amount of babies in these incubators. And is that, one of the reasons of this, or is that just uh, Kabuki theater? No, there there were definitely uh, infant. They called them infantoriums. You know, they were they were baby incubators that they would display, and and I mean, they even took them after World Fairs. Coney Island was a big hit for for these things as well, and they would bring these. This this guy named uh, James Cooney would take these these babies around the world, and a you got to kind of wonder where were they coming from. You know, where are all these babies? There were rumors that these are the first genetically modified people, that these were lab created babies. And, and, you know, and it goes into what you were saying, though, the gist of it is, is what they were doing with these, these babies. And um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with orphan trains, but in from about 1850 until uh, I would say the early 1920s. You know, we're talking a couple hundred thousand orphans were taken on trains and just brought from Europe to, you know, New York across America and dispersed across America, across the railways, or they were from, you know, America and dispersed across the railways. And again, where are all these orphans coming from? You know, uh, it's that's that's one of the big questions. Now, one of the things you have that causes a lot of this is, you know, alcohol is introduced, you know, breweries start popping up all over the place in in the late 1850s. So there was a lot of issues with alcoholism and, you know, people basically giving up their kids because they couldn't handle them anymore because they were kind of the narrative. They they were um, infiltrated with spirits. That's why they call alcohol spirits. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's just and and there's all these things that you go into and you look at it and the numbers just don't make sense. Now, getting to the point of it, though, I think it's part of like you were saying, a larger agenda to repopulate and to strategically repopulate. Right. If this is part of a reset, they are now able they're going to bring in people who might not speak the language where they can teach them the language and then indoctrinate them with what they want their story to be. Um, and, and you see that all over, what else do you see pop up during this time in history? You see a rise in, uh, insane asylums, which go look up pictures of insane asylums. They are beautiful old stone or brick buildings that are so ridiculously beautiful. Why would we use them to house insane? You know, and we didn't build that. And they're supposedly again, built just for this purpose. <clears throat> Or were they being repurposed to penalize dissenters who couldn't be brainwashed, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. That was my very first thought on that. Um, When I 
I heard that before and I was like uh or was that like uh the wink wink internment camps that they're building literally everywhere now was it another one of those things where it was an extinction of um anybody that didn't agree or didn't want to you know you don't want to give up your kids so they're going to put you in there and say you're crazy which is kind of what they're doing right now because um they have made a new diagnosis for people who question uh we are now in their uh mental health diagnosing books as um yeah you're we're targets um if, yeah. if you and it's and it's one of those things and i'm glad you brought this up janet because i was going to tie mm-hmm. that in as well is what's going on right now um mm-hmm. and and they're even calling it the great reset right so mm-hmm. what before well, and what have they been doing they're doing the same thing they've been tearing down statues they've been yes. banning and burn essentially burning books right and uh, build back it, better it's, it's the same playbook and and you know uh to to go off on that, you know, just looking at it, there there you could go as far as to say every the, the major world wars were just to con- continue this. This mm-hmm. that those were the final two things. They had to finally destroy the last bit of Germany and and Europe. You know, France and Germany still had too much of the old world around. We're just going to bomb the shit out of them and make sure there's none of it left to see. It makes sense. And and so as we usher in these new eras, right? Like we, we go back to these world fair eras. They obviously, I don't know if they, but something wiped out civilization and it could have been, they, it could have been God, our creator, whatever your belief is, something wiped out a large portion of the population. And I feel like these elites know the true history of that. And they're going forward with their agenda. And so right now we're hitting another great reset where we're about to enter Mm -hmm. another time period, right? And so people like us that are sitting here talking about this right now, we're not welcome in that new agenda because they're going to need to be able to brainwash these people into going into the metaverse. Mm -hmm. So the metaverse is going to be the new agenda and that I mean, they're already building companies. Their people are buying real estate in this metaverse. Adidas, you, if you want to buy a Adidas sweatshirt, it's like three hundred dollars to buy an Adidas sweatshirt to wear on your freaking avatar and stuff like this. So, and they've been training our kids since the inception of video games, which I I used to love video games. I was all about Mortal Kombat and and you know Zelda and all the old school stuff. Now I'm, it's too far advanced for me. I have better things to do with my life, but I can see these kids, they're hooked. And when you tell them that, you know, it, it stop playing video games, you know, it's time to come eat dinner or anything like that. It's like, it's like you just told them a crackhead that he can't have crack for a week is how they react to this. And so they're doing a very good job. Do you think that this is, with these world fairs and these mud floods, and I'm, I'm just saying, is this history just repeating itself in a, in a way that we, uh, not we, but as, as in a way that most people can't even see or realize, or am I just completely fucking crazy? 
Oh no, most people would think I'm crazy. So if if you agree with anything that I'm saying, yeah, you're in that boat, <laughs> my friend. I'm afraid to. Uh, I will you. see you at the FEMA camp, brother. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you just look at it, and it's it's they repeat the same story over and over and over, mm. and how many times now? The funny thing is that some of these fairs they don't even go through the trouble of. Uh, of burning them because they lost so much money anyway. So they come bring in this company and it's the Chicago wrecking company, ironically Mm, comes in and destroys all these fairs, you know, and takes out all these buildings and blows them up basically. And it's, it's just such a unbelievable story that for it to have happened the way they say it happened, you know, it just doesn't add up. None of the things add up. And then you start looking at what happens, what came of it. And yeah, you you just get no coherent story from them. The narrative just has too many holes in it or too many coincidences in it it to to be reality. You know, what's crazy is when we were going through school and, you know, during his story class, you never really learn about these world fairs or free energy or any of this stuff. And you would think that that's pretty important to our his, Well, his story. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> I, I just feel like they've been keeping so much truth from us for so long and that there is a big agenda behind all of this. And we're kind of, I don't know, like uh, it's it's almost frustrating in a way because it's like I know there's people out there that actually know the truth. I mean, if you want to look at the Vatican and all the massive amounts of books that they have that they don't let anybody read or see, and then you look at the Bible and how many times it's been um, interpreted and manipulated and then books that are taken out, and then you got the Book of Enoch that they say they didn't want to get out, but you can still find it today. You can go buy it on Amazon. So, I mean, are they really trying well, to keep that from the, you? It's in the Ethiopian Bible. That's a, that's in the Ethiopian Bible is the Book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. So what else are they keeping from us? And who is these people? Who is they? And and what are they really trying to do here? Oh, well, we mentioned it before, you know, now they're on that transhumanist agenda, right? Mm-hmm. They want, they want to roll in that tech technocratic transhumanist era where, you know, like you said, they want us in the metaverse. Uh, they will have robots that will replace us that are controllable. Um, and, and actually I'm going through a document right now with Ryan from dangerous world that NASA put out in 2001. That's, uh, it's called strategic warfare in the future circa 2025. And it it incorporates a lot more than just warfare, but I mean, it's talking about essentially, uh, medical procedures. Um, it's talking about, uh, chips. Um, it's talking about population control. I mean, it's talking about all these things. Then it gets into the military weapons side of things, too. Who wrote this? Was it Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates? Dennis Bushnell, NASA's favorite. Mm. He's a lifelong NASA guy, you know, and and you look at it and I mean, it's scary because basically what they're telling us is, is that they are going to their biggest fear is that the robots become smarter than they are and figure out a way to replicate and 
uh, outthink the human, basically. Yeah, so, dude, I love the, Terminator too. That's one of my favorite movies. It's not a matter movies. of if, it's when. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And Janet, with you and your medical background and everything, um, and since you kind of hopped off the whole Rockefeller medical bandwagon, um, do you see that, or, or would you say that they, uh, they've been denying us from cures that we've had for before we were even born? A hundred percent. Um, and they've, the, I covered this on one of my shows. There's a doctor, um, his name is Dr. Brzezinski and he's in Texas and he discovered, um, the care for cancer. And the, <clears throat> of course the federal government has gone after him and sued him like 18 times, tried to take away his medical license repeatedly. And this has been, you know, over 20, 30 years, whatnot. And it has to do with the peptides in your body. Um, and it was a, a natural thing. And, and he has a huge success rate in the government. It stole his research and the whole nine yards. This is kind of stuff that literally goes on all the time. They did the same thing with you know, the AIDS research where, you know, the cure was this. And then uh, Lord God Science himself came in and stole um, the research from Dr. Mikovits and, and her partner. And excuse me, I can't remember what his name is, um, but published it as his own and then pushed the drug AZT, which made things worse, Right, uh, which was completely opposite of what the research they did, you know, said, here's the care over here. And he's like, no, 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 don't look over there. Use this AC, AZT instead. Right. And so they, they've done that throughout history is, is hide stuff. And um, going back to what you were talking about with the world fairs, number one, are all the cities on waterways? Matt, do you know? Uh, do, do, do. Great Louis question, be, because that would make yeah. a lot of sense. Uh, New York, Philly. I'm sure they have waterways. Nashville definitely I, I, is. There's New Orleans. San Francisco. They're like port cities, right? Uh, Omaha and Nashville wouldn't be, right? Oh, and you well, said... Nash you Nashville said uh, have, Nashville's on a water. Right? It's just not a port city, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I was looking, I've also looked into ley lines and are they mm -hmm. on ley lines? And mm -hmm. San Francisco is a direct hit on that. And that's why mm -hmm. I, you know, there's a lot, you start digging deep into San Francisco and you'll find a lot of interesting stuff about old world and, you know, old California out there. Chicago's just about on one. Uh, and same thing with Buffalo. They're pretty close. Mm -hmm. And I know St. Louis is because St. Louis and Chicago connects on one of the, because what they right. form is uh, like a giant, almost a star, eight pointed star mm -hmm. uh, pattern. But didn't you say uh, somewhere uh, too, that wasn't really like, I think you said like South Dakota or something like earlier in the podcast today, you, you said something that I was like, Oh, Nebraska, you said Nebraska. Yeah, Omaha, Nebraska. Yep. That's definitely on water too. But my thinking with that was um not only were you know with the orphan trains and then and then putting people in asylums um 
and destruction of property. And we have the each time is a great reset or a, uh, industrial revolution or, you know, whatever revolution it is. And now we have the build back better. And each time they do one of these resets, um, like we had the free energy before, and then all this stuff happened and chaos and, you know, uh, burning down cities or mud floods or, you know, what have you. And each time it seems like, so they can take the technology that we currently have and then destroy it and then be able to sell you what you already had. So they sell us water now. Uh, you have to pay for air in a lot of places. And you look, I mean, you have to pay for air to put in your tires at most gas stations, but it's like- You have to pay uh, to you live. You have to pay for electricity and you have to pay for all these things that you didn't used to have to pay for at all. Right. And well, I, there were I electric, like there were electric vehicles. Is. Yeah, there were electric vehicles and they got rid of them and made you go to the petrol vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you're exactly right. What they did and, and my whole rationale on this is the old world in my eyes was in tune with nature, right? Mm -hmm. They used nature and, and, and were one with it. They, right. they gave to it and took from it. Whereas right. today we are straight up consumers. Do you do think that that happened back to it? Exactly. Do you think that that happened because of uh, Rockefeller and that whole Rockefeller's movement? Or is this something that they, they've been pushing since before that and it, it just happened, you know, because I remember when I was a senior in high school, I thought that I created the greatest invention ever in my, for a science project. And my science teacher told me that it's already been done a hundred times over. And I created a motor that was, um, that was propelled through magnetism. And I'm like, why don't we use that? It doesn't take it doesn't take electricity. It doesn't take gas. It, it it's, it's just it's magnetism. And then when you, why. when, when, when I would bring the it. magnets closer exactly. together, the faster it would go. And then I would pull the mm -hmm. lever back and the further they would go, the slower it would go. And it, it's just, uh, yep. why don't we use that? That's absolutely free. And it's something that nature already gave us. Well, and it's ironic, right? You mentioned Rockefeller right next to the Chicago world's fair Rockefeller rebuilt the Chicago university mm -hmm. um, right around the time of the fair there, cause there was a great fire on the campus and they almost got rid of the campus. Only one of the buildings survived the fire ironically again. And uh, so he rebuilt the whole thing. And the, the crazy part about it, the mascot or logo for the school is a Phoenix rising from the ashes. Mm, mm -hmm. Interesting. And it's and all, uh, it's all occultic. Yeah. It really is all occultic when you it, dig into it. It is. It's a giant spell. And that's part of why when I, you know, I said that before about these people being under spell, I feel like a, the fairs are a giant ritual, you know, they're using mm -hmm. them for dark art purposes. They're mm -hmm. harnessing all that energy of those millions of people. They're supposedly bringing in there to further, you know, it's like what they did on nine 11 and after, how they harnessed all that energy from people, all that fear from people and utilized it. And here's um, a question too. Um, plumbing wasn't fantastic back then. Uh, and a lot of people didn't have plumbing. So if you have 27 million people showing up in Chicago to a world's fair, um, where were all these people going to the bathroom at? 
And what were you feeding them? The world's biggest porta potty. No, I, I don't know. There's, <laughs> you know, there is there is just, no mention of plumbing. There's right. no mention of any any restroom facilities. You know, you look on the maps, and there's no. You figure you have a complex this huge. Even on the Disney World map, they will show you where the bathrooms are. There is no reference to any restrooms on any of these. So, yeah. So maybe maybe people at that time during the World's Fair never had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> which is which is which gets if you want to go into conspiracy theories, there's a conspiracy theory that these people that were put at the fair were mainly like Westworld. They were mainly like kind of the first AI NPC mm-hmm. type people. And mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So, and they didn't really have to eat either. So yeah. if they could just work on me and cut down on the amount of times I have to pee in a day, that would be great and helpful. Are you hinting, <laughs> That's your first are you hinting at the fact that you have to pee, yes. Janet? We have 10 minutes left. Can you hang on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can uh, hold it. I have a diaper. No, I'm kidding. No, but, uh, but yeah, one of the one of the things is, and I'll, I'll I'll tell this to people is is there's a great documentary series out there uh, from on YouTube or you know BitChute also a group called Stolen History, and they have a three part documentary series, and they just put out the third one right before Christmas, I want to say, and that one was on the World's Fair. So anyone that has any questions, go check out that video on Stolen History on YouTube mm-hmm. or BitChute and. Uh, While it's still they, on YouTube, they, go check it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they've survived. They've put three parts out there over the last three years and uh, they're still all up there. So they haven't been hit yet. That's yeah, cool. and people- yeah. My Chicago video got taken down. I had one on the world expo uh, that I did for my podcast and they took it down. So of course they did. They wouldn't want that information out there, but no. people can also check out um, the cymatic videos about the shapes Um and how they react to sounds. And also there's videos um, about water and how it reacts to sounds and frequencies. Yes, vibrations. I I wanted to get into that tonight, but there's so much that we need to get into in this whole topic too. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to get into vibrations and frequencies and all that. Um, I know, Matt, you you have a limited amount of time. Um, So I, I... I'm going to put you on the spot here. Would you be willing to come back on and we'll make a part two of this? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would love that brother. So we just, we just hit the tip of the iceberg. man. Yeah. I I hope that we, we just, uh, you could do hours of this stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I'd be more than happy to come back and do definitely do a part two. Well, I hope that we just, we just, uh, showed people enough of that iceberg that they, they're going to go start digging for themselves and, you know, you guys, like I always say, message me with your questions and I'll, I'll give you some documentaries and some rabbit holes to go down. Um, Matt, you're obviously a great resource of information and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Um, can you please let everybody know where they can find you, what it is that you do and um, anything, anything, well, actually where they can find you, what it is that you do. And then I'm going to ask you another question. All right. Yeah. You can find, uh, I have Instagram at the great deception podcast. I am heavily shadow banned right now. No kidding. Um, 
Yeah, shockingly. <laughs> um, I went from like a couple hundred views on, you know, videos I would post and stories and stuff. Now I get like maybe 20 or 30. So I'm just going to write it out and eventually get back in the algorithm. But I got a, I, I put a lot of, uh, you know, like thought provoking things on my Instagram, like old world related stuff, uh, buildings and, you know, theories and stuff like that. So if you're interested, go check that out. Um, I'm on my podcast is the great deception podcast that's on all the major, um, podcast platforms. Um, and I also do a Monday night round table. We call the Monday night master debaters. And, uh, we usually just get four anywhere from four to six people together and, uh, go in with no agenda and just go where the conversation goes. It's, I love that title, fun. bro. I just listened to your last one today and I was, I, I was enjoying the shit out of it. I was like, Oh, I just found more of my people. I love this. They're fun. Oh, it's great. And, <laughs> and, and the best part about that is I don't have to do any research. All I have to do is get a, get a couple of cool people to come together. And what I love about it is I'm starting to see some of the people that meet on that show go and do shows together. You know, that's so, so awesome. It, it's just, yeah, it's mm -hmm. just kind of building relationships. And that was the purpose. A, I wanted to meet new people through this and talk to cool people. And I wanted other people, you know, kind of network a little bit and let people connect and, uh, and get other people's voices out there also. Cause, uh, we all have different, you know, audiences. And if we get our audiences to cross, you know, it's just more ears to our stuff. And that's, that's right. the name of the game. You know, I didn't get in this to, to get rich or popular. I just, you know, I really wanted to meet some cool people and I wanted to get all the conversations that I was having with myself out in public, you know, like this is all the stuff I think about all day while I'm at work and I want to get it out. And I'm like, oh, this is finally the cool platform to do it. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I, I love what you're doing. Like I said, I, I just got introduced to or introduced to you and your work so I, i'm still digging into you a little bit but uh from what i've seen so far man i love it i loved the last master's debater that master i almost said masturbators master <laughs> that's the point he yes. liked the last masturbators that you watched the last masturbators that you did and uh i was wearing a sombrero and goggles just in case anything came at my face no <laughs> No, but I, I love it, bro. And I'm going to check out more of your stuff. So please, everybody listening to this, go check out Matt at the Great Deception Podcast. Go give him a follow on Instagram. Let's break up this algorithm that they're trying to take away from us because uh, this is an information war and it's also a spiritual war. And uh, if we keep connecting the way that we do, they're not going to win this because I love one America thing that I do love is united we stand divided we fall and that is so fucking true and united mm -hmm. we stand and the more that we connect with each other and the more people that we meet and we unite together the stronger we are and it's gonna take them having to shut down the fucking internet to silence us so okay. i love that and uh uh matt uh just one more thing is before you leave, what can you tell my audience? Because I got a lot of black pillars that listen to my my show. What can you tell my black pilling listeners? Yeah, it's not that bad, right? I mean, it's not over. It's there is hope for the future. You know, we've we've seen it before. There are resets that take place, right? And and just because these 
parasites, the evil people want to take it in one direction. It doesn't necessarily go that way. It may, it's going to get dark, right? And it, it is dark right now. It sucks. We were, we're living in a, in a very strange time, but that's why we're here together tonight, right? We're here together because we have hope. We have faith in this. What are we doing? We are exposing. We're trying to pull back the curtain and show people, okay, what, what happens, what's been happening. And collectively, we can cha- make change, right? I know it's frustrating. I know a lot of people are disappointed after what happened in 2020, I get it. I was too, you know, I I lost a lot like a lot of other people did, but you just got to keep pushing forward, man. We, we are, we are so powerful and we're such a beautiful creature that to, to let their darkness bring us down, man. I just, I, I I don't, I don't see it anymore. Right. I, I can't let it bother me. We're on a mission here to do things of greatness, whether they they can do all their perverted shit, right? They could do all that stuff. Eventually it comes around to them. Yep. Okay. So do, do good, do, do you locally, right? Don't get wrapped up in the world story that they put out there. That, that whole system of news and stuff, it was set up to drive you crazy, it's set up to program you to think a certain way. It's called broadcasting. It's a spell. It's told on a tell a lie vision. Right? Tell a cast, cast. Okay. So listen, if you get caught up in the day-to-day nonsense that is his story, you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Yeah. But if you step back, go out in nature, go walk around your local city, go, go get out of it, disconnect. The world is a beautiful place, you know, but that black mirror wants to tell you otherwise, and it can act as chains. Don't get sucked in to the day-to-day nonsense on your phone. Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. (laughs) I love it, Matt. Perfect. (laughs) You, You nailed it. You nailed, you nailed it. You hit the nail right on the head. Janet. My my audience already knows you. They love you. They know that you're the shit. I would just like to say everybody loves Janet. I I would just like to say that your hair looks amazing tonight. Did you go to warehouse.salon to get your uh, hair care products? I did not, but I am going to check that out right after the show. Well, if you do that right after this, you will get 10% off if you put in the promo code rabbit and I would also like to say that warehouse.salon is put out there by We the People Radio podcast. So you oh, are helping some fellow fellow freedom fighters if you go check that out. Uh, Janet, we love you so much here on White Rabbit. And I say we as if I still had a co-host. Uh, I miss you. I miss you, Jason. Come back. Where are you? I, I love your co-host anyway. Hi, co-host. Um <laughs> But thank you for guest co-hosting this tonight. And we love Deplorable Nation. Uh, I every time your episodes come out, I'm like, awesome! I stop what I'm I stop what I'm listening to as soon as I get the notification that you put out an episode. I'll be listening to the, you know what a tinfoil hat or 
you know, Dan Bongino. You're so sweet. Cuck, whatever. But whatever I'm listening to at the moment, and, and that's what I do, is I'm at work 10 hours a day, and I'm listening to podcasts on double time so that I can listen to twice as much information as possible <laughs> while I'm working. And then I come unless, home, and then I research everything. Hey, unless you run across somebody that talks really fast anyway, um, like I did the other night, I ran across somebody. I was like, oh, I want to listen to them. But they talk so fast. And then I, I all I did was put it on like one and a half. And it sounded like people on helium. <laughs> yeah, there like, are some. Okay, I missed the whole thing. Now I got to back it up. And there are again. <laughs> some podcasts that I have to slow it down to 1.5. Like any <laughs> Sam Tripley podcast that I listen to, I got to slow it down to 1.5. Because Sam Tripley will go off the rails. <laughs> and you're just like, holy shit, I can't even understand what he's saying at normal time. <laughs> But Janet, you are so freaking amazing. And the guests that you have on are so incredible because you are bringing this community together. And I love you so much. And I would just oh, like, I love you too. If this is the first time you're tuning into White Rabbit, please, Janet, let everybody know who you are, where they can find you, and what message do you want to leave with my audience? Um, first of all, I love you. You're, you're my best friend. Um, We we have gotten so close and I just absolutely adore you and uh, shout out to you because you did my logo and I love you for that because it was amazing. And anyway, um, you can find my podcast deplorable nation at every single podcast um, outlet out there. You can also find me on Alt Media United and Actual Activist, with a plural, an S on the end, uh, .com. You can find me on Instagram at Deplorable Janet, and you can find me on Twitter at No Janet, K-N-O-W. Or you can find me in your uh, worst nightmare or your best dream. So there you go. I love it. I love it. And as you guys know, I am your host, Catalyst Jones uh, of the White Rabbit Podcast. You can find me on every major platform except for Apple and YouTube because those cucks kicked me off. But that is okay because we have something big in the works. I wasn't allowed to announce it on the last episode, but I'm going to announce it right now. I have just joined forces with a bunch of different podcasts, and we are putting out a Roku channel called the Patriot Podcast Channel for all of your conspiracy patriot needs. So there is going to be so many awesome uh, podcast people on there. Janet, you will be on there eventually. We're only starting out with 10, um, but look for that in two weeks. I uh, believe... February, uh, the first week of February is when that is going to drop. So we're really excited about that and, uh, still waiting for that, um, Rockfin acceptance. I don't know. I almost give up on it, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we had Matt from the great divide deception podcast and deplorable Janet from deplorable nation. And we have to do a round two of this. You guys, you guys have both been incredible. Thank you so much. We'll do it. And I love you, Matt. I love you too, Janet. Fellow truthers, keep digging down those rabbit holes. See, we all been through it. 
weight on your shoulders and can't move it. Just keep a firm grip on your soul and you'll never lose it. Cause money doesn't equal happiness, do not confuse it. And life is ruthless, get to walking if the shoe fits. Cause everybody's got a memory lane. But as you're walking down it, all you can remember is pain. The moments that afterwards life was never the same. It's almost like something in your body chemically changed. Now you think the world's against you, I get you. Trust me, I have been through times I thought I'd never see an end to. When they said I couldn't, I just showed them what I can do. And ended up acquiring these gems that I lend you. It's now my duty to assemble a crowd. Gather up positive energy, spread it around. And as them vibrations join, they develop a sound. It's profound, turn that negative down. And I feel so free.